With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by allsteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on youtube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're going through the first half of the Steelers schedule. It wasn't great, but we're going to take some positives away. We're going to talk about the two and six that was, and then we'll dive into the second half of what is to come here in these last nine games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But first, as always, it's a beautiful day. Beautiful day outside. I just came back from a little uh, lunch with all the Steelers media members. So shout out them. They're enjoying their day, their bye week. How are you enjoying the bye week? How are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, it's been a it's been a refreshing one. You know, not as much uh, Steelers stuff kind of going on this week, obviously, but enjoying the bye week for sure. Getting caught up on some other stuff. Um, excited to get back rolling. But you know this this weekend will be nice for us. We'll be be able to watch some football without any you know kind of stress or uh, oblig- necessary obligations. But um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Shout out. Shout out to Kelly. Uh, she said, hey, at Steelers Talk, love these live videos. Thank you, Kelly, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Appreciate you for real. Appreciate everybody. Um, Yeah, I'm excited, too. I, I haven't gotten to watch a Sunday in, well, all season. So very excited to just sit down, watch some football. Unfortunately, actually, I have to travel after for the 4 o'clock games, which stinks. But it's all right. I'm going home for an engagement party, so... I'll be feeling like crap by Sunday morning anyways, and it'll be a it'll be a good time. But all right, let's dive into the first half of the Steelers season two and six. Not great. I think what some people were expecting, not what people were hoping for. Kenny Pickett change at quarterback, no change at offensive coordinator. Did that shock you? Did you see that coming? And how upset or not upset are you at that situation? Did not shock me. Um, I did see that coming. We have kind of <laughs> talked about it on the pod. I mean, we're not we're not gonna go into like a whole rant on you know why that's no, good. No, why we don't that... have to recap. Just go back. There's actually a whole yeah. clip of Derek <laughs> yeah, just talking probably... about Matt Canada. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do see as as much as I think. Um, you know, obviously the Canada, we'll just call it era, has been a massive uh, disappointment. Um, I do see both sides of the coin here. Um, you know, a change in play caller, I guess, is kind of still on the table. Um, it seems like maybe. Um, maybe we see Mike Sullivan call plays. The scheme, obviously, you can't overhaul that. 
you know, in the middle of the season. It's just it's difficult um, to do. And I understand with a rookie quarterback, you're already putting a lot on his plate in terms of what they're asking him to do on offense with how much they're throwing the ball, they're playing from behind, doing all this and that. So adding, you know, having to learn a new scheme on top of that's, you know, I mean, it's just not feasible. So I get both sides kind of the coin. Um, but yeah, you just got to make the best out of, you know, these next, what, nine games. Um, and then just move into the off season. Everybody can get a fresh slate. Um, and then we can talk about, you know, candidates and stuff like that when that kind of comes around. But, you know, just do you try have to do a the candidate right now. Do you have one in your head that you're thinking? About? I, I have a couple names. Um, you don't have to give them all, but yeah, um, we can get into like some of like the younger guys, but a lot of the younger guys that I've kind of wanted in recent years have somehow got like they've gotten jobs and they're not going to yeah. take lateral positions. Like Mike Kafka was a guy that I that was thought, the that was the guy. That's the yeah, guy that he was a guy that I talked about a lot. Um, Lafleur, who's it uh, with the Jets now um, as their OC, he was a guy that I, I talked about. Um, you know, the Jets. I don't know if you guys have had any chance to watch them really this year. It's a shame that Brees Hall got hurt um, because they're doing some crazy stuff in the run game. I mean, like I I think their run game, that offensive line hasn't really been healthy and they just lost uh, Vera Tucker for the season too. I believe the same day they lost Brees Hall, which stinks, but really they were doing some great stuff up front. I mean, it was, it was a really unique run game that I was excited about uh, Noah just kind of stole my thunder in the chat. Um, I did show out, I did shout out uh, Frank Wright as a possibility for OC. This is just me. This is just me like speculating. Okay. Like I think Reich is an interesting name because he's got a really good resume. He's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks. Um. He's had four top 10 scoring offenses in the last six years. Um, he was the offensive coordinator for Philly. Granted, he wasn't the play caller back in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, hasn't had a franchise quarterback. You know, he's had old Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz, um, one year of Andrew Luck, which is pretty good. Um, but, you know, I think he's noteworthy. And I'm seeing another thing about um, Mike Sullivan doesn't have any good record calling plays. How are y'all yeah, insiders? We're just getting called out in the chat. Yeah, I we never said anything about him having a good resume. I don't I don't really know where you're I think you're assuming or projecting a little bit there. Um, but yeah, Sullivan's track record, not great. But he's also the only person on the staff that has experience calling plays. So yeah, if his you're track going record to has pivot, to be better than Matt Canada's. If you're going to pivot, it has to be to Sullivan. I mean, you're not yeah, you it can't pivot. there is no one else um with that sort of experience. They don't have a head coach that has experience calling plays. Um, and to be fair, um, Matt Canada, Canada doesn't have a resume, so his resume is even worse. So, um, you know, that's not really a prerequisite for what we're talking about here, honestly, in my opinion. No, I agree. I agree. That's that's what uh, we've hit the point where like it does. What are you looking for worse? It, like, I mean, what, yeah, I mean, get worse. My, I mean, my good brother, they are literally dead last in every important <laughs> statistical category on offense. I mean, we can talk exactly. resumes. I mean, honestly, like you can make an argument that we should throw Noah up there to call plays on Sunday. And Dude, I've played like, enough Madden that I bet you I could at least call <laughs> yeah, half I mean, of Matt Canada's what, play. What's, what's going to happen? Are they going to get worse? I mean, oh, no. No, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like you're not looking I, for – it's not a fix. You're just looking for anything else. Like you're just nobody looking for signs running. of life at this point on all. That's all you're looking for. Any signs of life. So you look back at the first half, obviously the offense rough defense dealt with injuries. 
Do you have takeaways? Do you have a takeaway that you sat through there? It, it could be good or bad where you're just sitting around going, okay, this is this is how I could sum up the first half of the Steelers season. I mean, disappointing, obviously. Yeah. You sit at okay. two and six. Yes. So yes. Um, in terms of like trying to find like the positives, um, you know, I think that they've, I think they've got something in James Daniels. I've kind of been, I went back this morning and kind of watched um, the Philly game um, to like the third run through on offense. And I was really just paying attention more to the offensive line and kind of looking at some of the things that Philly was doing up front. Um, I thought James Daniels still had a good game. I, pieces around him weren't great. Um, you know, Corfor really struggled, got beat inside several times. I'm not sure. Sh- like they had some protection slide issues, I think, um, which – New center to the offense who's banged up and the rookie quarterback's not overly surprising that that would be the case. Yep. Um, but I think James Daniels is a player, man. I I know his cap hit rises significantly um, these next two seasons, but I've liked what he's done. And I was really worried in the preseason with him struggling to kind of acclimate himself to the system and Pat Mayer's coaching. Um, but I think he's been rock solid. I mean, I wouldn't call him like, you know, a star or necessarily maybe, you know, Provo caliber or anything like that. But I do think like he's a nice like building block for what they need to do moving forward. I think if you can get to the point here in like a year or two where Daniels is your, you know, second or third best offensive lineman, then I think that they're going to have a pretty solid offensive line. So that's one of my positive take takeaways. I don't know what you've got, but he's he's been a guy that um, has stuck out to me that I think is, um, you know, commendable for sure. No, I, I think so. I agree with that. I think James Daniels has been a good piece. I think Mason Cole has been a good piece. Chooks has obviously been playing well. I think he had a bad game against Philly, but honestly, that was the worst game I think I've seen him play in two years, which has been impressive. When it comes to the offensive rough. line, have you, do you, if the season ended today, who stays for next season? Who do you replace and who do you stay? Who do you keep? They got to get a left tackle, man. They they've got to get it. And and this is nothing against Dan Moore, because believe me, I think I think the average casual fan doesn't understand like how athletic tackles in particular have to be at this level to succeed. Um, and Dan Moore is not a bad athlete. It's just that position is so freaking hard. And when you're a day three rookie who's thrust into the fire. Um, it's a miracle that he's even been able to do as well as he can. With that being said, like Moore has issues with his game that I don't think are going to be fixed. Like, for example, you saw it in the Philly game. He's still a year and a half later, cannot, cannot defend wide nine rushes. I mean, Philly was just wide nine in him and he was just getting beat over and over yeah. and over on the soft corner. And then the, other side of that is not only is he getting beat with speed on off the edge from those wide nine alignments he's also struck like he also can't transition quickly to his anchor so like it takes him like three to four hops sometimes to transition to that anchor when people go speed to power on him and it's hard to play tackle like that it it really is like i just don't know if he has the core strength and I just don't know that he's ever going to be more than like a swing tackle. And you can't, I, I, th- I know people are saying like, well, can they move him to right? I know Chooks cap hit. I just, I don't see that. Happening. No, you're not like, going to get rid of Chooks. Chooks is going to earn a huge payday next year. 
Do I yeah. think that he's deserving of how big that payday is? Probably not, but That's you're not going to get game. rid of him. He's he's the only part of that offensive line that you're like, every game at side of Philly, you've had a good game. We're going to talk about this guy a lot moving forward. Um, I see somebody mentioning Paris Johnson Jr. in the chat. We're not going to go all draft talk today, um, but Paris Johnson, really good player um, that I like a lot. You know, he's found a home at left tackle, kind of moving back to more of his natural position. I think he's been really good um, so far. He's got some stuff to work on, but I, I think he's going to be a really good prospect. The guy that I'm most intrigued by now, though, is Olufashanu from Penn State. I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to um, watch him yet. I wrote about him last weekend ahead of that Ohio State matchup. This is a 19-year-old kid who has special, special traits. I mean, he is he's only made – he had one start coming into the season was I'd only know of one guy on Twitter who was on top of this guy, like coming into the season. And who's that guy? I'm Corey all about Kennan. Shout outs. Corey Kennan, I believe is his name. Um, but so he, just he a talked record. about him. Yeah. He talked about him um, in the summer scouting kind of portion. Uh, but Fashanu has been fantastic, man. I mean, this kid is, he has every single thing I think that you want in a franchise left tackle. He just needs more reps. And like maybe those reps do eventually start showing some flaws. But I think as of today, he had only given up like six pressures on the season. This is a 19-year-old kid that Penn State literally puts out there on an island. And I mean, he's faced some good pass rushers. Ohio State, um, you know, they he's Zach Harrison. Like he I was going to say, he faced Zach there. Harrison on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and the Michigan guys, like, um, you know, Michigan has several um, kind of boundary rushers that are, you know, talented players, and they really haven't given him much issue so far. Now, I think he's got some work to do in the run game, uh, but he's athletic enough to, like, cut off the backside of plays. He can get to the second level. There are some flashes there. He is going to be a guy that we are going to talk a lot about come draft season. But, yes, for me – the left side of the offensive line has been more of a problem. Mason Cole has been okay. He's did his plays dipped because of that, that lower body, like ankle injury, I think is what it is. He's yeah, really struggling to move right now. But I think when he gets healthy, if that happens this season, that right side, if you kept that intact and then upgraded at left guard and left tackle in the offseason, which isn't a crazy ask. If, if one of your top three picks are a left tackle and maybe they find like a guard, um, upgrade in free agency you might be I mean I'm not saying it's going to be a great offensive line or like even maybe not top 10 but I think you could have average to above average line next as early as next year yeah you're taking a you're taking a jump like that's that's all it is like the the goal you said it before the season the goal this season was to not be bottom five and so I think they next I think year you done that yeah, in me my too. Opinion, I definitely think yeah. so. I mean, I, I do. Definitely I think, think the, so. I do think the offensive line has taken a jump. Now, I'm not again. It's nowhere where it needs to be, um, but I do think I don't think they've been like completely terrible either. I, I know, um, I know some fans are really down after that performance by the Eagles, but dude, the Eagles front. Yeah, I mean, I, I just front I think it's crazy. Yeah, the Eagles front and some of the things they were doing were causing a lot of trouble for Kenny. Um, in terms of like how he was reading things out and, you know, they had some issues communication wise. And I just don't think that that game alone is a fair indictment of how they've played this season. Like, I think, 
Um, you know, still not great, not even good, but like, I think they don't, I don't think they've been terrible. I think Philly was just kind of their worst showing. Um, but I think they're definitely better than what they showed, you know? Um, I I do have a, there's my guy in here. Um, Mr. Hammers, what do you think of Skaronsky? Not going to go into like a whole deep breakdown. Um, Skaronsky's the most ready pass protector right now. Um, but at the same time, He's going to come significantly under what the NFL threshold for length is. So anyone with, you know, sub 34 inch arms, 33 inch arms at the NFL level, they don't like to put tackles um, out there with that kind of arm length. Skaronsky, I think he's going to come in at 32 and a half. Yikes. So I was Kendrick Kendrick was like 30, right? Yeah, but but it's a little you can minimize it a little more on the inside. So that's why you see like even Slater was a guy that teams were like, you know, I don't know if he can play tackle, but Slater, it didn't show up on film for him, but he still had 33 and 33 inch arms. I think Skaronsky I've heard is like 32 and a half. I mean, that's, we're not talking about outlier. We're talking like significant historical outlier type stuff. So yeah. Um, there are guys that have done it in the past. I do think Skaronsky is going to be um, labeled as a guard. Now we'll see. Um, I'm sure it's going to vary a little bit team by team, but um, you know, and I do think he could be a good guard. I just think that when you talk about early in the draft, you know, where the Steelers are going to be picking, are you going to take an investment um, at a pl- with a player that could potentially be a guard over, you know, a guy like Shanu or even Paris Johnson, those two guys, who are for sure left tackle prospects. So yeah, I agree. It's just my opinion. I agree. 32 and, and there's no way the Steelers are ever going to, at least not in the next five years, we'll take a chance on a guy with short arms after the Kendrick green experiment failed as bad as it's, as, it's bad tough. as it has. And, and that's the good thing too. Like I know a lot of you guys are throwing a bunch of names in the chat um, about tackle prospects coming into the season. This was a tackle class that, you know, Skronsky was a well-known dude. Um, you know, even Broderick Jones was a guy that we talked about, but I think the tackle class now looks significantly better than it did two months ago. And that to me is very encouraging because I think you've seen Broderick Jones take a little bit of a step forward. Um, you know, um, obviously Paris Johnson's been every bit as advertised for Sean, who's kind of risen, you know, he's probably the biggest riser of any draft eligible, eligible prospect so far this season. Um, and even, Who's the kid from Syracuse? Um, I've heard a lot of good stuff about him. I've watched him live. I'll have to look that up when I was going to say, if but, you don't know, I don't know. That's but true. he's another dude. He He's another guy that I've seen live that's been um, fairly impressive. And I know a lot of draft guys are, you know, high on him. So I'm looking forward to getting um, some exposure to him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's plenty Bergeron, of draft That's his name. Pergeron? Bergeron, yeah. I think that's I don't it. know. The, either way, I agree. I think the left side of the line is where you adjust. I like Mason Cole. I th- his contract's not big either. Uh, James Daniels, obviously, Chooks is here to stay. Um, my positive before we jump into the second half of the season, um, I don't really have great ones. I will say there's two offensively. Since you stuck with the offensive line, I'll stick with the offensive line too. Because like there, are, there's like the Terrell Edmonds and Cam Sutton, but both of them are question marks in the off season. So like, how big of a positive can it possibly be? I would say my two positives is Pat Fryermuth looks like he's headed towards being a pro bowler. Not this season, but you know, he's on that trajectory. That year two jump was significant. I would imagine year three gets even better. 
Um, it, especially because I like what Connor Hayward's doing in the last two weeks. I think he's filling roles well. Uh, Zach Entry, I don't think it's going to be expensive in the offseason if you want to keep him around or you go and get another guy. I mean, you have three picks that early. I saw you say uh, Daryl John or Daryl Washington yesterday. That would be amazing. At that point, you know, you have options. Uh, my other one is that Kenny Pickett, you know, stinks right now. He's not a very good productive quarterback, but he's taking hits and he's throwing interceptions and none of it's phasing him. And that's a good thing because at least the one thing that we thought was a guarantee coming into the season is that he is a winner. He knows how to handle the moment. Nothing's too big for him. That all seems to be true. I think you could build off the rest of it. I don't know where his ceiling is at this point, but you know, it's good to see that there is some like, okay, this guy's getting smoked and he's really not playing well, but he's, you know, he's holding up. And I think holding up is enough when it comes to Kenny Pickett. So those would be my two positives. Nothing huge, nothing significant, but something. I would say something. Yeah, I uh I do I do want to give credit to um you know Cam Sutton. I, I do think he's been, you know, very steady in the back end. You know, they they've had a bunch of uh issues in the secondary. Like, I mean, having Akilo kind of, you know, go through one of his spells that we were really um, highlighting in the off season. Um, that's not been great. You know, James Pierre, I think has done some good things the last couple weeks. Um, you know, just too many big plays down the field and that, that really has killed them on defense. I know that the pass rush has been non-existent, so that's put the corners a little bit more exposed, but I think Cam Sutton's done a really good job. I think he'd be getting a lot more, um, you know, not maybe not national love, but I think he'd be getting a lot more love from the fan base if he would have just caught some of these interceptions. Like, I think he's dropped uh, four picks already this year. Um, and I oh, think yeah. he's got two to three interceptions on, on the season as well. So, I mean, um, he's done some good things, definitely been um, steady. He's a guy that, um, along with Edmonds, I, I'd like to see both of those guys back. And then the Steelers really um, invest in an actual, um, you know, cornerback one. Uh, they've got decisions that they, they got a lot of decisions they got to make um, at the cornerback spot. You know, with Sutton being a free agent, this is one of the things that I'm watching for down the stretch. Is you know Sutton's a free agent, Wallace and Akilo's um, contracts are the exact same, but they jump um, in cap hit next season. So you got to figure out like if one or both of those guys are going to be back, and then William Jackson. Um, you know, they've got a huge decision on him. His cap hit rises to twelve point seven five million, I think that is not realistic for him to stick around at that number. But like, who's to say if he absolutely balls out and just is phenomenal for these next nine games, if they wouldn't look at saying, all right, we'll give you like a one year extension. Let's try to get this cap hit down a little bit. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, Sutton's definitely a guy I think that deserves uh, more love as well. Yeah, Sutton, Sutton's having a season. And, like, there was a lot of people. I mean, our boy uh, Black and Yellow Texas Steel, who isn't in the chat yet, he, he's, been a, he's been a Cam critic, and I think of him every single time Cam makes a play. I'm just like, yeah, here it is again. Cam Sutton, he's definitely just making plays out of your playing Cam, well. Cam just gets the job done, man. He's, he's a high-level, he like, CB3, low-level CB2, um, you know, type reliable. of guy. He's just, Love the dude is just so freaking smart. Like I, I pointed out a, I pointed out a play. I think it was two weeks ago. Um, 
against Tampa that he broke up. That was just, I mean, it was just phenomenal stuff. Uh, or no, 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 that was against Miami. Um, it was actually the interception he dropped. But uh, it, it was a it was an incredible play on his part, just route recognition, just being aware of what's going on behind him. Um, but he, he's a good player. I, I would like to see Cam stick around just because I, I think he's, um, you know, a glue guy. And I, I definitely appreciate what he brings to that secondary. You know, never going to be a star. He kind of is what he is. But you need role players. And Cam plays his role and, you know, has some versatility about him. And I think those are guys you gen- generally yeah. want to keep. He's as reliable as it gets, and he's you're not going to ask him to do too much. And everything you are going to ask him to do, he's gonna he's gonna do well. He doesn't do anything poorly. I agree. I, Cam's Cam's a dude. I hope they stick around. He's also a great guy. Like one of the best people in the locker room has been since the day he walked in there. So a, a good guy. I, I'm a you know you root for guys once you're in the locker room. Cam's on like the top of that list. So much so that my fiance actually we were watching the Philadelphia game. I wasn't able to travel to Philadelphia. And he came on the screen and she's like, that's the guy you talk about all the time. And I was like, yeah, she's like, he looks so mean. I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, he just doesn't sound mean. That's just how well I talk about Cam all the time. He's a great dude. All right, let's talk about the second half. Everything that's going to come. Um, want to address the trades and what that means a little bit. But first, we got a word from our boys over at True Classics. Gentlemen, you wouldn't walk out of the house wearing a trash bag, would you? Every time you wear one of those shirts, you find in the dusty aisles of whatever department store had the best clearance sale. That's exactly what you're doing. Most men never learned how to shop for clothes that actually make them look good. Luckily, True Classic is here to help. We want you to level up your t-shirt game and save you with our exclusive deal for our listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off True Classic's with our exclusive link, trueclassic.com slash allstealers. First impressions are important, and the t-shirt you are wearing is where the eye immediately goes to. Have you thought about upgrading? There are some men who just always look good in t-shirts. Most companies make shirts for those guys and forget everyone else with a normal body. True Classic design tees to make all the fellas out there feel comfortable in their clothing. From gym rats to dad bods, with True Classic shirts, you'll get lots of nods. True Classic will make you feel your best by, wow, what a word, accentuating the places the eyes go to first. Wink, wink. These tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. This is a desirable look that can be achieved with every body type. They give you the wide shoulder and tapered bottom look that you were all looking for, and the quality is elite. True Classic offers other menswear as well, ranging from polos to workout shorts to boxer briefs designed with cradle for your boys and eliminate discomfort. They make it super easy to build out of your wardrobe with premium True Classic quality. If you purchase a six-pack or even a three-pack, the price of the shirt is far more reasonable than any other of those marked-up premium brands you see floating around. And for all my listeners who are well-endowed, they have long options for the tall guys and up to three XLs. True Classic also has a 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. The response to these tees are overwhelmingly positive with over 70,000 five-star reviews. It's no wonder that these shirts are quickly becoming men's go-tos. 
skinny dudes, big dudes, buff dudes, my dudes, dudes. True Classic has you covered. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com slash all Steelers. Free shipping is included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com slash all Steelers. Stay classy with True Classic. I will say that uh, I wear nothing but our True Classic shirts to the gym anymore because they are like the softest shirts probably in the whole world. And oh, they're no, they're the real deal. I mean, like this isn't just like advertising speak, but yeah, true. The True Classic shirts that they've sent us are phenomenal. So definitely check that out. Yeah, um, definitely appreciate um, Lee. This is some of the best Steelers podcasting I've heard. Appreciate all the people, all the comments in the chat. Um, very 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 nice of you guys so um here we go we appreciate you right here um oh geez not just canada this is this is going we appreciate you on charter we appreciate everybody um all right there there's a lot of questions about how the chase claypool trade impacts the offense i think that's the place we have to start real quick chase gone a great, great, a great trade. I saw your remarks on Twitter. I think you agreed with pretty much everybody. Um, the question now is, is it just a Steven Sims thing? Pat Fryermute's name was the one mentioned out of Mike Tomlin's mouth. Does that mean he's moving more to the slot and he's going to play more of that slot receiver role? Kind of like, you know, a lot of Jesse James did that a lot in his final season in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you got a guy like Zach Entry who's a better blocker. How do you see that shaking out? It's going to be interesting to see. I think Sims definitely seems like he's going to have the first crack at it. Um, you know, Friar Moose usage could certainly go up. You know, um, Chase had a couple third, like key third down conversions in the recent weeks. Obviously, in the Tampa Bay game, that was a big thing. Um, but, you know, he's he's converted some, some third downs for him. So I'm interested to see, like, who kind of takes over some of those responsibilities. Um, having said that though, like this is one of the reasons why I like the trade in a vacuum while I'm not crazy about trading chase or weapons around Kenny, especially as he's kind of struggling at the moment and trying to find his feet. Um, the Steelers don't really use their slot receivers. I mean, they don't throw in the middle of the field. Like even when chase is open in the middle of the field, like they haven't gotten him the ball. So really to me, getting a second round pick one that's going to be like a top 40 to 45 pick doesn't really hurt very much at all. I think it's a no brainer because um, you know, you can throw anybody in there. You don't need a second round value pick to go run across the middle, especially if they're not getting the football. So to me, it doesn't really matter now, of course, over the course of the season um, I'd like to see Kenny, you know, start letting some of these middle of the field um, throws rip. We'll see if that happens. Um, but I definitely think um, it's not a huge, huge deal. And I think Omar Khan got tremendous value um, from Claypool. They're going to end up getting a higher pick than the one they spent on him, uh, you know, two and a half years ago. And that's, yeah. to me, um, I like Claypool as a role player, but I don't see that trade. I, I think that trade only makes sense for Chicago in order to truly evaluate Justin Fields and accelerate his development in the short term. I really have doubts that chase is ever going to be that like wide receiver one that like maybe people thought after his rookie season like again i think he's a i think he's a solid player i I think you need those role players i think he can be like you know your second more like third option on offense um but 
you know, I, I think it's a good trade for the Steelers for sure. They couldn't pass no, that. 100%. And I like, I see where Chicago's coming from. It made no sense for them, you know, but your hopefully franchise quarterback running out of time on his contract is more important than anything else, anything else that so, you do. Chicago backed themselves into this corner. And I really yes. do. This is this is honestly um why I think I'm so impressed with Omar Khan. I think Khan played them a little bit because oh, I think he played them so hard. I think I know really what happens that he do, do I, I think what really happens? what happens was Chicago comes to them probably a couple weeks ago, said, Hey, we'll give you a third for Claypool. And they were like, No, we're not gonna do it. He comes back. They make that Roquan Smith trade. All right, we'll give you Baltimore's second-round pick. He says, no, nah, I'm going to stand firm because I'm going to get yours instead. And then he ended up fleecing them for theirs as well. So I think, you know, Chicago backed themselves into this because, you know, they didn't have a first-round pick in this past year's draft, but, like, they just didn't do enough to upgrade the weaponry. And, like, I don't know if it was they didn't believe in Justin Fields at first and maybe these past couple weeks he showed them enough to where – they're saying, hey, we need to go get some weapons for this kid because, like, he actually might be the guy. Remember, this isn't the same Chicago regime that even drafted Fields. Yep. So that was kind of, for me, I was like, I don't even know if they want this guy. Like, I mean, you're throwing him out there with just a bunch of bums. Um, and not saying Fields has been good either because he hasn't. Um, he's played better the past couple of weeks. But um, it's a good trade by Khan. I mean, I, there's very, very little downside, in my opinion, um, to this move. Um, of course, there's always oh, yeah. when you're when you're talking about draft picks, draft picks in a vacuum mean absolutely nothing. You got to nail the pick. So, like, we can get really excited, yep. and yes, I do think it's um, fair and logical to say that they won this trade. Um, but at the same time, whoever you pick there, you know, come spring, that's got to pan off, or else yep. you know you'll end up losing the trade. So um, yep. we'll see, we'll see. But I do like the deal. I think Omar Khan did very well. Yeah, I think Omar showed like, hey, man, Omar's, you know, Omar's fit for the job. If there's anything that I've learned in the last five months, it's that Omar knows what the heck he's doing. I got no qualms about Omar Khan. I think that he is especially putting in a situation like he was not put in the situation to continue success. He was put in the situation to rebuild the biggest standard in football. And he said, yeah, all right, sounds good. I'm going to do that. And he's he's doing it while everybody else is focused on right now. While he's also yeah. focusing on right now by going to get William Jackson. Yeah, and I think this is one of the things with Khan that I'm very interested in. Cause like, you know, he was with the way that they went about things, um, with Colbert staying for that last draft, whether you agree with that decision or not. Um, we haven't seen him go through a draft process yet with him being kind of the head guy. I know those those are always kind of cumulative decisions. Um, but you know, I'm excited about like what him, uh, what what they're gonna do. I, I really pray, I really pray, and we'll talk about this a lot moving forward. But I pray that they really address the trenches with these first three picks. I mean, having three top forty five picks is gonna be something that this roster needs more than anything. Um, but please do not get wrapped up in like shiny toys and weapons and things like that when they abs they have got to start winning some battles in the trenches. I mean. The offensive line still, even as I think they've taken a step forward, I mean, this is still probably um, a bottom 10 offensive line. And their defensive line, like I, that to me is the most, um, not to get on a too big of a tangent, but that to me is the <laughs> most surprising thing that I've seen on Twitter is yeah. um, I am shocked that people have not talked more about how 
just underwhelming the front seven's been for the Steelers. Like with as much resources as they have up there, they have the Steelers. Okay. Think about this. The Steelers are 31st in pressure rate this year, 26th in sack percentage. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, like obviously, you know, TJ Watt's a huge part of that, but you look at some of the guys that they paid, man. And I know Ogan Joby's been banged up, but him and Hayward are making a lot of money, and neither one of those guys have been impactful as pass rushers this year. And like, yep, that's that's tough. It's it's really tough to swallow. Like when you've got that much money invested up front, you know, Miles Jack. I think he's been solid, um, you know, but they spent a top ten pick on Devin Bush. Hasman's been the only impressive player really in the front seven for me, um, really all year, and that's that's you know it's di- disappointing considering like we really thought that um, up front that was going to be their strength, you know, coming into the season, and that really just has not kind of transpired yep. the way that we thought it would. Now, now you you're starting to look at Cam Hayward and think his father time's starting to catch up. Doesn't feel real good about the situation. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, yeah, he's been beat up, and when he's good, he's really good. But when he's yeah, there's not been there, some flashes, like, and I, I happen. and I still think Cam has been a good run defender um, this year, yeah, regardless you need, of you, you know need the somebody to step up with sacks. protection or pass production. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. You look at. Um, you know, just kind of what we want to see as the season unfolds. That's something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. You know, is Hayward going to be a guy um, that's going to be able to fight off father time any longer? And like, we really need to figure that out. Um, You know, his cap hit, I think jumps to like 22 million next year. They're kind of, they're kind of in this boat next year with him regardless, I think, because there's nowhere to go, even if he doesn't turn around, turn it around. But um yeah, I mean, that's somewhere when you talk about like early targets in the draft, like defensive line is going to be in that conversation because they really, really need to get um, better there for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So overall, as a whole, second half expectations. Where is your mind going? Before we got on here, you said, unfortunately, it looks like there's too many games that they could win here. If that's a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing, we'll come to learn. When you look at the second half of the Pittsburgh Steelers, what's where does your mind take you? Here's the deal, man. This team, this defense is just completely different with TJ Watt. Like, yeah, we have got to start when we talk about valuable and value. He's got to be one of the most valuable players in the NFL. All these other teams that are making, you know, trade acquisitions at the deadline. Um none of those guys are going to offer more impact than TJ Watt will in his return, even if he's not completely 100%. So with that being said, and just looking at the schedule, I said before the season, I didn't think this schedule was that tough. I know a lot of people did. I really didn't. I still don't really, Um, you know, but I think the second half is even weaker with TJ coming back. I think it's definitely reasonable to expect some type of progress from Kenny. I'm the first one, and I really feel like I'm one of the only ones, uh, at least in, in what I do on Twitter, um, that's really pointed out that I don't think he's playing very well at all right now. I mean, he's, he's part of the well problem, well. but he's also a rookie. And, you know, you expect those struggles early on. I think for me, really down the stretch, 
I just want to see development from Kenny. I mean, like that to me is just as important as any type of like win loss record down the stretch. I mean, this isn't a team built to win now. That's very obvious. Um, but we have got to um, see some type of development from him. We we can't we can't do any more of these stretches where they're going games and games with scoring you know one touchdown. It just yep. it can't happen. I mean, there there has to be some type of you know uptick in production. I mean, right now he's like dead last in terms of like yards per completion. I mean, some really um, troubling stats. But I do think it's reasonable for him to play better. Um, and getting TJ back is going to be huge. So I mean. It wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers got to six or seven wins. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't think they're going to be favored in more than, like, maybe one um, more game throughout the season. But if you just look at, like, the upcoming games, just I was even just out about of the to bye, say. Even out of the bye, I mean, Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons. I mean, I've already done some, like, little bit of work on the Saints. I mean, Dalton's kind of stabilized their offense a little bit. And he's played like better than I anticipated he would, but the Bengals they played him once, and they have a lot of issues. No Jamar Chase, Atlanta and Indy uh, and Indianapolis; those are both road games, but very, very. I mean, Atlanta is literally one-dimensional on offense. They will, they cannot, they do not want to throw the ball. If you stop the run, you will beat them. And then. The Colts, I mean, they're they're not playing very well either. You know, they've got no, Sam they Ellinger, who they who they've kind of pivoted to, and I know he played okay last week. Um, Dude, the, the the toughest game on the schedule for the remainder of the season is Baltimore, and besides that, there is outside of the conference, there are no tough games. And that's and that's the thing too, though. Like you can even spin it in a way that that's not as worrisome as it would be for other teams just because the Steelers have always played Lamar really well for whatever reason. Um, you know, I do think that it's a credit to like Mike Tomlin and, you know, some of the stuff that they've done um, schematically on defense, but they've given him a lot of problems. So, um, and I don't think the Ravens defense is like all that great. Now with all this said, they played a Miami defense a couple weeks ago. That's not that great either. They were really banged up in the secondary and they couldn't take advantage at all. So all this stuff, as far as like, yes, they're going to face some opponents that have um, major weak links that need to be like, should be exploited, but it's up to the offense to do that. I mean, that's, that's the key too. Like I said, we can't do any more of these stretches where, you know, we're averaging 10, 11 points per game. That has to change period down the stretch. I mean, that, that yeah. has to change in order for them to have a shot at making at least this interesting down the stretch. And I'm not saying it will, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not ready to say that they're going to lose out either. No, I'm not ready to say that either. And I, I'm not also, I'm not ready to say that they're going to go on an eight and one stretch or, you know, they're going to finish the season eight and eight to, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't see either sides of the coin right now. What I see is a team, just like you said, I want to see Kenny Pickett develop, I want to see you find a run game some way or another. You got to find a run game. I want to see how good George Pickens can be. Stop holding George. If George Pickens disappears in the second half of every game for the remainder of the season, I am not okay with how this season turned out. And I am okay with the losing season. I've been okay with it all season long. George Pickens got to look good. You got to find a running game. You got to get Pickens to show that he's, you know, that he's the future of next season. It doesn't, ha he doesn't have to show that he is the next franchise quarterback. Just eliminate any draft talk of 
well, should they go out and get CJ Stroud? Well, no, because they have Kenny Pickett, and Kenny Pickett showed enough that you feel comfortable. I agree. I agree. Um, I think this is a good question to go out because our boy still cold has been asking this all all quite are all all episodes. So I apologize. Um, Kenny Pickett's accuracy. Give me your uh, give me your Kenny Pickett evaluation from a uh, physical standpoint. I think Kenny so is accurate. Like when we're talking about in the short and intermediate areas, I think Kenny's accurate. I think you're still seeing some of the stuff though that we saw on tape coming out of pit where I don't know if the ball's dying on him or what. I don't know if he just doesn't trust his arm to throw down the field. Um, but the constant back shoulders are very perplexing to me. I mean, Pickens should have had a set, like 75 yard touchdown uh, oh, yeah. on Sunday. Cause he had James Bradbury absolutely toasted um, and Pickett threw it back shoulder. I know Pickens ended up going up and like Moss in that catch and it looked like he caught it, but Tomlin didn't challenge it, but that was a really poor throw that took points off the board in my opinion. So I think, yes, he is accurate. The, the thing for me in terms of um, accuracy, like he's completing, I think, close to 70% of your pa- of his passes, but they're just not – he's not moving the ball down the field. Like, I mean, they're not – he's not pushing the ball down the field. He's not throwing over the middle, um, which is really surprising to me because when I watched his game at Pitt, like, I thought that that's kind of um, potentially where he'd want to kind of live. I thought he was going to want to target the intermediate areas of the field, and he has just not wanted to do that whatsoever. So um, that's a little bit um, perplexing. But to answer your question, underneath and intermediate areas of the field, I do think he's accurate. Um, He's going to have to throw the ball down the field better and more accurately, though. Um, Anytime anytime you have a quarterback with a – we'll just call it an average NFL arm – um, you have to be able to throw the go ball. And as of right now, I mean, some of these misses aren't even close. So that's a big thing that I want to um, see progress as the season goes on. Like he has to start hitting some of these sideline shots to keep defenses honest. Um, so, yeah. Yep. No shade, but you think the football is a little bit bigger. It's, it's I can't answer that. He, he would only – he would only be able to answer that. The football is and a little bit never. bigger. Um, it's a little bit different. I don't know that that's an issue. I just, again, it could even be one of those things where, um, you know, he's just not seeing it. Like he's not reading leverage. That's That was my kind of thought process that maybe he's not reading leverage. Because, um, you know, maybe that, I mean, it has been an issue since dating back to camp. When I saw him at camp, he underthrew deep balls. And he was trying to back shoulder things that he he shouldn't. He did it in the preseason. He did it to Miles Boykin in a preseason game, and Boykin yeah. ended up coming down with the catch anyway. Um, and then that's really been the case throughout the regular season too. So he has the arm to make those throws. Like I don't want to make it seem like he like the kid can throw the ball 30, 40 yards. I mean, any any you know NFL quarterback is going to be able to do that. It's just about um, knowing when he needs to you know let the ball loose and when he needs to kind of target those back shoulder throws. But um, you know, we'll see. We will see. You know, we will see. It, I, I like the evaluation. I agree with it. I think it's all things that we saw coming into the season. So it's just a matter of waiting. You know, we got nine more games to wait, but we're going to go enjoy this bye week. And we appreciate everybody jumping on with us one more time before we head off into this weekend. Fill the football. None of it. 
involving the Pittsburgh Steelers before we kick off these last nine games. We appreciate everybody jumping on with us for another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcast to find all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. I will be back on Monday. Check out our Twitter tomorrow morning because we got we got some big announcements coming. So make sure you keep up with that one. We appreciate everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.